You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing the uses and selection of different types of chemical indicators for sterilization. Our guest is Leanne Kiefer, a noted international speaker and dental hygienist. She serves on various foundation and publication boards in the U.S. and Canada, was a site visitor for the ADA Commission on Dental Accreditation, and is on the editorial review board for OSAP. Leanne, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Phil, thank you so much for inviting Crosstex back. We look forward to working with you on this one. Yeah, so we really want to hear some good stuff on chemical indicators. It's a very appropriate topic with all the infection control issues going around in the profession. So there are different types of chemical indicators, I know. What are the differences, and how do we know which chemical indicator to use? It's a great question to start with, Phil, and I think we need to remember that the um, the monitors are actually uh, responding to specific um, physical and chemical reactions within the sterilizer. And what that actually does is it verifies that the instruments have been exposed to specific parameters. We need to remember that just because a chemical indicator changes, that does not mean that the you know, instruments are quote unquote sterilized. It's just saying what it's been exposed to. And so um, the chemical reaction would be something like a color change. And I think that's what most of our clinicians are used to. And that color change is usually a, a, like a pH reaction. And what the clinician wants to make sure to, to verify is that the color change is um, the same intensity, the same hue across the entire surface so that it shows that it is a, a, a complete reaction. And when they talk about a physical change, usually that's some sort of a chemical or a pellet that will actually react to the heat per se, and it's gonna melt change to a liquid form and that would then move across um, sort of an open front. And that's how you would see a physical change. So those are the two different kinds. Um, the other thing that we need to remember is these are medical devices and they have are rated according to the ISO standard, which is the ISO standard 11140, if people wanna get really specific. And it's also in accordance with the AMI standard um, 60. And the, the big thing to know is the classifications of chemical indicator spill have six different classifications. And this is not a hierarchical um, level of importance. It actually has to do with the order that they were discovered. And then each one of those different six types denotes different performance characteristics or parameters that is going to measure the different parts of the sterilization process. So what's the difference between, for instance, an internal and an external indicator and what products define internal and external indicators? Sure. When we're talking internal and external, we're only talking about placement. And so one would be placed inside the pouch or package, and then one is placed externally or on the package so that if you can't see the indicator that's inside, for example, if they were using a cassette and the cassette was going to be wrapped with blue surgical paper, you could no longer see if that internal indicator had reacted. So there has to also be an external indicator. So depending on whether you're using cassettes or wrapped instruments, that determines whether you're going to be using an, either an internal or an external, pretty much? Well, good good question, Phil, because the CDC guidelines, the 2003 
um, guidelines state that there must be an internal indicator inside each pouch or pack, and that's a must. And then the guidelines go on to say if that internal indicator is not visible, then an external indicator should also be used. So you mentioned earlier, I just wanted to ask you this question as a follow-up to something you said just a little while ago, that if the chemical indicator changes color or does what it's supposed to do to indicate that it reached the level of sterilization, you said it doesn't mean the instruments are sterilized. Okay. What each of the chemical indicators, they're going to be measuring one of the variables, whether it is time, temperature, or say pressure in the form of saturated steam. And so it's not measuring because the only way you can prove sterility is by using some sort of a um, microorganism, like a spore test that you prove lethality. By simply having a color change or a physical change of a of an indicator that doesn't indicate that the item is sterile. It's just saying the contents have been exposed to whatever parameter that particular indicator is measuring. And it might be helpful if we think about when I said there were six different kinds, Phil, a type one indicator is the most basic kind out there. And basically it's only reacting to heat. And so we'd be used to using say the sterilization tape that goes on the outside of packages to seal them. That's a type one indicator. So basically it's a process indicator. It just tells the clinician this package or pouch was in the sterilizer or it hasn't been in the sterilizer yet. It says nothing about whether the contents are sterile. But then as we move up and we look at things like a multi-parameter indicator, in order for that multi-parameter or sometimes referred to in Europe and in Canada as a type four, that requires at least two or more of the variables had to have been present in order for that chemical change to occur. So if you have a multi-parameter indicator on a pouch, it's going to either have to have like say time and temperature are going to have to have met the requirement. There are some multi-parameter indicators on the market fill that actually require all three of the variables for steam sterilization in order for them to occur. So that's something that we can, you know, you trust if it's looking at time, temperature, and pressure, as opposed to only looking at time, you've got a more complete evaluation of the efficacy of that cycle. Is there a, a minimum criteria related to these chemical indicators that a dentist needs to have running in their sterilization process? Each one of the indicators, Phil, when they're developed by a manufacturer, they're going to use a resistometer um, that's going to actually validate uh, whether it's, you know, is it going to be a temperature between 250 and 270? You know, is there a point in between? Because we know that there are a variety of cycles that are available with sterilization. And so there's a range of validation. And those certificate of analysis are available from each manufacturer that provides chemical indicators so that if you want to have that level of detail, it is available. Why should a type 5 integrating indicator be added to a sterility assurance protocol? Now you've hit the sweet spot, Phil, because I think this is where in dentistry, it's time for us to take that next level of sterility assurance because you know, most of us are currently choosing to use a multi-parameter on our pouches or a strip placed inside our cassettes. But the next level, sort of that umbrella policy, which gives you that um, sort of extra liability coverage, this is in fact a physical uh, type of a reaction because it does have this pellet technology that we talked about earlier. And it gives you 
a higher level of confidence in the efficacy of the reprocessing because it's measuring all three. It's measuring the same sterility, sort of the death curve that a spore test measures. And sometimes I like to think of it in very, uh, very simple analogy. When we're talking about a multi-parameter indicator, like is on a pouch, um, it, that's either a dye or a chemical that at some point in time during the process, it goes from one color to the other color. You don't know at what point that that changed. So it's like a light switches off, a light switches on. However, when you're talking about a type five integrating indicator, it's going to be dynamically um, processing during the cycle so that if something would interrupt, something would change the cycle, that moving front technology of that melted chemical is going to stop. So it's evaluating the entire cycle, not just the single point in time. So if it stops in the middle of a cycle, then you're saying the physical morphology of the indicator would give you information to know where the cycle failed at what point? Not necessarily a, a specific point in time, Phil, but because it has to go across the entire indicator into the safe zone, almost like, you know, when you make a touchdown in football, being just on this side of the line doesn't count. You actually have to cross over the line. And so if the indicator hasn't reached the pass zone, you have a very definitive mark that, you know, this process was not effective. Right. No, that's a good analogy. I didn't know you were a football fan. That's great. I'm not. I try to avoid sports analogies, Phil, but, you know, sometimes it just happens. But the Denver Broncos is your favorite team, I assume. <laughs> well, okay, we'll go with that and the Hoosiers. Okay, th okay there you go. Um, so let me ask you this. If someone's setting up a dental practice or they're just, you know, setting up another <laughs> stereocenter, um, what questions should they be asking when selecting sure. uh, chemical indicators for use in their practice? Sure. I'm happy to answer that, Phil. Uh, there's one other point that I, I think it's, I didn't make, and it is critical with the type five, the integrating indicator sure, sure. that I failed to mention. Because this is correlated to a spore test or biological indicator, it doesn't mean that it replaces it. Again, there's no live organism on here. So you can't use a type five in lieu of a biological indicator for your weekly testing. What you can do is use the type five in addition to your multi-parameter pouches, either with every load or at least once a day to give you that umbrella policy. And Phil, by the way, um, Canada just recently changed their um, standards and they now have to use a type five in every pouch wow. in Canada. Hmm. You know, so that, that was just the point to think about. So, but as far as looking at a very comprehensive quality control program for your sterility assurance, um, you want to get the data, not just from chemical indicators, but we've got to use all the monitoring sources that are available to us. And so that's going to include the physical monitors that are actually on your sterilizer, meaning all the dials and the LEDs and the printouts and the cloud technology to say that this is what that particular load you know, what that cycle, what were the parameters that were reached. You need to use the chemical indicators with each load preferably a multi-parameter and a type five. I will say that CDC has not listed specifically the type five in the guidelines, but that is just taking your quality control program to the next level. And we do recommend, Phil, that offices uh, log the type five results 
um, just like they would be logging their cycle loads, um, they're logging their BI logs, they should also log their type fives. So you wanna make sure that whatever products you're choosing for your chemical monitoring, the results need to be easily interpreted and you have to make sure that everybody in the practice understands what is a pass and what is a fail. You know, is how dark is dark brown? Is it tan, you know, or is it um, an umber colored? So you have to make sure everybody understands the interpretation. Um, can the, re the results from these tests be stored? So could they, if they wanted to, take that type five strip and attach it to an index card and write the date in the sterilizer and keep that indicator if they physically wanted to do that? Um, do they have to do it? Um, they're not required, but some offices prefer to. You also want to make sure that people understand what parameters or what variables a particular chemical indicator is measuring. Is it measuring time? Is it measuring temperature? Is it measuring saturated steam or a combination of all things? So if you have a pouch and you don't know if that internal and external indicator is a type one or is a multi-parameter, that's something that you need to you know, go to the manufacturer and make sure you know um, what level of product that they're using. And then also, it's important to think about the appropriate storage conditions, the length of storage, um, how they should be stored, because shelf life, um, I had somebody call me very upset that they were concerned that their, all their type fives were failing. And when I asked them where they were storing the package, they told me, well, on top of the sterilizer. By storing them where that happened, it invalidated, um, obviously, that particular indicator. So where do you recommend storing type five integrating indicators? Best thing to store your chemical indicators or to store your pouches, that type of thing, would be where it is dry, it's dark, and it's room temperature. Mm -hmm. So keeping a type five chemical indicator as a record, will, will that change its um, you know, status over time? <laughs> well, you know, we're a little bit behind medical, Phil, at that point. And as I told you, Canada has already gone to making type fives a requirement in each pouch. Um, the way I like to look at it, rather than telling someone you should, I think when I look at it as a clinician, I look for best practice what's going to give me the best level of monitoring and feedback on my sterilization pouches so that I feel confident in the instruments that I'm going to be using with my patients um, that they have been appropriately sterilized. So best practice is using a multi-parameter indicator um, on each pouch or package, using a type five integrating indicator at least once a day, preferably in every load, and those should be placed in the area of most challenge fill. So you put them on the bottom shelf um, over the drain or by the door where you're most likely to get an air leak. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can put them into a pouch if you want to. Um, and then obviously doing your weekly biological monitoring. So you've got physical, chemical, and biological. So tell us, Leanne, what CrossX is doing as far as education. I know you are an incredible educator. You go to different locations and you lecture, not only in the US, but internationally. What are you doing on the internet as far as infection control education? Well, we have a great partnership that we do with Crosstex and Viva together, and we've been doing this since 2013. And with the Viva and the Crosstex learning site, we have 
on-demand programs that are available on Sterility Assurance, we have a six-course series that's entitled Because You Can't See Sterile. And clinicians can go in and they can take the six 30-minute programs in any order they want to. As a matter of fact, we have one of those modules that focuses on chemical indicators. So if they want to go in and get more detailed information just about that, they can do that. Or if they take the entire series of six, they can earn three CEUs and sterility assurance. So that's been a very successful program for both Viva and Crosstex. Yeah, and that's on the website for that um, for our listeners is crosstexacademy.com. That's crosstex, C-R-O-S-S-T-E-X, academy.com. So uh, feel free to visit that site. You can also get it off your main site, right, Leanne? Sure. Well, you can get it off of crosstextlearning.com. We've got a link that goes to the six core series. And the other thing I'd recommend, Phil, is we know so many of our, our listeners are visual learners, visual and, and, and kinesthetic learners. And so we have a YouTube channel that we actually have 25 different mini videos on every stage of the sterilization process that they can go in and just get a visual on how to do each section. And again, chemical indicators are covered there as well. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's getting it online and having videos and webinars and podcasts is the way um, a large portion of the dental audience out there, the practicing clinicians and hygienists and assistants and everything else on the dental team, they're getting the information digitally. So we're really happy to have Crosstex as part of that. And Leanne, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. And we look forward to having you on future ones. Phil, it's always a pleasure to work with you. Thank you so much for your time tonight. 